Hello, and welcome to Grace Unscripted, where we share stories of the people in and around Grace Church without any script, just real, raw conversations about life change through Jesus. I am your host, Audrey Wallace, and today's conversation is with Josh Snyder. And we know that our God is a relational God. And he very much designed Josh as a relational guy. And he's going to share some stories with us about failed relationships and how he is now building relationships here with his family, abroad, in missions. And I think you're going to enjoy hearing from him about how important being relational with God and with others is. All right, Josh, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Mm -hmm. Um, So we are going to just hear your story. Our goal here is to understand your testimony and also just your life. So let's start at the beginning of it. What was your upbringing like? Sure. Yeah. So uh, initially I was raised in Pittsburgh, uh, grew up there, moved here in Ohio from, I think it was around second or third grade, started third grade in Ohio. Um, We uh, always, I was actually always raised as a Christian. So my family went to church uh, regularly, uh, once we got here to Ohio, I actually don't remember too, too much about uh, church back in PA. Uh, came from Pittsburgh, actually. Mm-hmm. I think um, the more important question here is, did you bring a Pittsburgh fan base with you? Are you a Steelers <laughs> fan or are you Ohio? So, yeah. <laughs> where do you land there? Uh, yeah, so it's it's one of those things where I am definitely a Pittsburgh fan, but I'm an authentic one. And mm-hmm. also, mm-hmm. I have mad respect for, I, I mean, I don't know a more genuine fan base than the Browns fan base because, <laughs> man, you want to talk about faithfulness. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. but all that to say, yeah, no, it's... it's uh, you come by it honest. I like that. Yeah. I respect it. Root for where you come from. For all sure. Right. Sounds for good. Sure. Now that we have that established. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, moved here uh, about third grade. We started going to a church that uh, I think my uh, dad's parents attended. Uh, went there for a while. I went through the whole, you know, like not youth group necessarily because I was too young at the time, but just the little Sunday school classes Mm -hmm. where it was like, all right, cool. You, you learned uh, the first, you know, name of the book of the Bible. All Mm -hmm. right. We're just going to color this page now sort of thing. Noah's Ark over and over. Definitely. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much kind of like where I came from and where I, where I was at once, uh, once I. uh, So maybe a belief in God, but the personal relationship with Jesus and that kind of stuff wasn't established until later? Yeah, definitely. So, like, when I was little, uh, growing up in that environment, I believe there was a God, mm-hmm. but never, like, understood what that meant. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> my parents were good role models of, like, what it looks like to talk to God. So one mm. of the things that I thought was really cool is my parents always used to pray before we ate meals. Mm-hmm. And actually, funny enough, that was uh, one of the stepping stones that got us to Grace Church. Mm. So we were hopping around churches for a while after uh, the church that my uh, parents took us to initially kind of closed down. Um, we were hopping around and trying to find a church that we could call home again. And we were actually just sitting there at Chili's one day and we prayed after we ate, like we always did. And this guy came up to us after we were done eating and he was like, Hey, don't mean to be weird. You know, this is just, it probably already is weird. Sorry, but it is what it is. Um, I just want to let you know, like, I thought it was really cool that you guys prayed before you ate, you know, where do you go to church? Where are you from? And all this stuff. And by the end of a, what seemed like a really long conversation, he just landed on this really weird, like, sentence. He just goes, you guys you guys sound like you fit in with Grace Church really well. I'm like, wow. What, what, is, what is that? Sure, another church. Let's check it out. So ended up finding this place, and it, it really felt like That home. is one of the craziest stories that has happened on Unscripted. Oh, like, really? a guy in a restaurant saw you pray, yep. came over just to say, I thought that was cool. Oh, yeah. And ended up dropping at a sentence that sounds like, spoiler alert, maybe changed your life forever. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it was, Whoa. it was kind of crazy too. Cause like he even said, like, we, cause we asked him, Oh, will we see you there? You know, cause we'll check mm-hmm. it out for sure. Like we'll mm-hmm. literally check it out this weekend. And uh, he said, no, we're actually, we're actually moving to Cleveland. Like this is actually the la- one of the last days oh that gosh. we're out here. I'm like, okay. Do you know who this person is? Legitimately like, no idea. Re- Don't know his name. I, if you, if you had a picture of him and said, this is absolutely the guy, I couldn't really confirm even that that was in fact him. All right. Like, Unscripted audience. Here's what we need to do. We need to circulate this podcast until we find the man from Chili's, however many years ago, that talked to a praying family. <laughs> I would be so impressed. But additionally, <laughs> let's be the guy at Chili's talking yes. to a praying family. Whatever in- motivated him, compelled him, impelled him to go and speak those words to you guys. Yeah. 
And it's wow. and it's crazy to think it's like one of those just small stepping stones that turned into a whole sure. literal life change. I mean, I really do mean that. It, it really was. How that. old were you when that happened? I want to say it was about uh, 2007. So I was... I was in like middle school, mm-hmm. so probably like 13, I want to say, 12 or 13, yeah. um, going into high school. And uh, I think the earliest I can remember that we started attending church, it had to have been like 2007, 2008 when we attended Grace. So it was, it's been a while. Like have you, then. have you rehashed, I'm sorry I'm stuck on this story, but have <laughs> no, you rehashed it with your parents? You talk about like every Thanksgiving and you like, I don't know, like does this come up a lot? Does your yeah, family all remember the same thing? It's kind of funny. It doesn't really come up in conversation. I think it's just kind of like one of those things that like it just happened and we've like moved on since. Yeah. But like it still sticks with me. Like anytime someone asks about like, you know, oh, either how'd you go to Grace Church or, you know, what, what's, you know, what's your involvement in, you know, things that you're in now? It's like, well, it actually started at that the guy choice. that I don't know <laughs> and couldn't tell you his name if I tried. Oh man, I love that. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's this story can wild. only get better from here. So th- let's keep going. True like, let's, let's. I'm I'm so excited to see what happens after that. So, anyways, this guy just drops a sentence. Mm-hmm. You would fit in well at Grace Church. I'm actually out, but I'm I'm telling you about it. And then what? You go to the next week. Yeah, so we end up going to a service that I believe at that point was either an Easter or a Christmas service because I remember seeing like the big wooden cross mm-hmm. on the stage, and like it was it was that moment. <laughs> Kind of funny side story, I will say, on that was the uh, first time that I came to Grace Church, the pastor was, it was Ryan, it was Ryan Roadman. Yeah. And uh, I remember uh, thinking that, well, I came to a church and therefore this is the lead pastor. So yeah. I, I was thinking, oh, that's that's the lead pastor, it's, it's Ryan. And I remember it was like two or three weeks, we were going frequently at this point, and then all of a sudden this this guy named Jeff came up, I'm like, who's, who's this guy? I'm like, that's not Ryan. I'm like, where's Ryan at? Where's the guy in charge here? <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like, they let another pastor on stage? It's like, oh, because I wasn't used to that. The churches that I went to was like, it was, you yeah. kind of had your main head honcho guy, mm-hmm. and that was the guy that, mm-hmm. you know, the church kind of uh, revolved around in mm-hmm. a sense, which made also Grace very different, mm-hmm. uh, seeing that, you know, the community of leaders that was there, and uh, yeah, getting to hear from pastors that weren't just the main mm-hmm. pastor there. Wow. But uh, yeah. Okay, so you're a teenager. Mm-hmm. Were you in student programming at Grace? So I started, I think, into the uh, the world of, I don't remember what it's called at the time, but it was uh, the high school ministries okay. uh, around that time. I, I went for a little bit. But my thing was, even though I am an extrovert, but even though I was an extrovert, like, I don't meet new people really well unless they approach me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just like sat there in the back and, and I, I think there was a couple people that approached me, um, but I didn't like end up like sticking around long enough to, to really get to know them. Mm-hmm. I think I fell out of that programming for a while, but uh, towards late high school, like college, I, I started going to New Perspective, oh, which it's been a minute. Yes. I, know I just dated myself yeah, for anyone who NP. knows what MP is. but <laughs> And that's where I really got to know a core okay. group of people in West Akron, went to a life group, got to know a whole bunch of people there, which was just awesome. That became my little like community yeah. that I first kind of encountered at Grace. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've gone through high school, maybe like did the God you know, that I believe in and think he's master of the universe. Did that become more personal at that point? Or Yeah. So at that point, no. It's funny because what happened was going to Grace, I learned a lot about who God was and like who he was as a relational God, but I didn't understand it. I didn't have the, the mindset to understand it. And one of my, uh, my biggest uh, stories really is like coming to God really was through broken relationships. Mm. So for me, the first person mm. that I ever dated, I remember it was uh, it was around my senior year of high school, and she uh, came from a Catholic family, and I thought I thought she was uh, Christian, but I realized she was Catholic. I'm like, okay, well, maybe mm-hmm. she's Catholic, and I can, you know, still bring her to a Christian church, you know, same God, same principles, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, quickly found out that she was actually an atheist, and I was like, oh, that's Whoa. interesting. Okay. Um, but then, of course, being the dumb teenager that I was, was like, all right, then we're dating her to try to bring her to God kind of thing. I didn't even know what that meant, honestly. Mm -hmm. I really didn't. But um, I got to a point in our relationship where I realized, like, we we weren't going to work out, and I knew that. And it sounds weird to say, but I I genuinely mean it. I could not bring myself to break out of that relationship. Mm -hmm. I had this mindset, and I think it came from unintentionally, my parents' relationship, they actually met in high school. And uh, I thought, oh, if I wait 
till like the end of high school. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, kind of like hold out on the dating um, when I'm like 17 or 18, like at that last tail end of high school, surely that's going to be the one, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's how my parents that's work. Pattern. That's, yeah, yeah that's exactly. Saw. So ended up uh, realizing really quickly that that wasn't the case, but I couldn't break myself out of it. So I used to pray all the time. And this is, again, just sounds comical to say, but it, I'm genuinely serious. Like, this is how it was. Mm -hmm. I used to pray things like, because I remember at the older church that we went to, they used to teach you, you know, oh, you got you to pray for forgiveness. Pray for forgiveness. I'm like, okay, God, sorry for my sin. Amen. Like, that literally was like prayers that I would say in that short of time frame. Then uh, I remember learning back then, like, oh, you, when you pray, you got to really mean it. So I said, okay. God, please forgive me. I really mean it. Amen. Like, I'm not yeah. kidding you. That yeah, was literally like, my Here's prayers. the lesson. It's just, it's the immature yeah. place that you were in, and you're being told by mature people what exactly. to do, and you were following a rule, but the relationship, that maturity wasn't there yet. That's exactly. Okay. So I was just like, that was, that was the world that I knew. But when I was really, really torn up about this relationship, I remember laying there at night. It was like probably 11 or midnight, and I just thought, okay. If there is a God out there, mm. uh, I, I need you to help me, like, get out of this relationship because mm. I know I can't do it. And, yeah, that, amen. Mm. <laughs> and I woke up the next morning to a text that was sent around 2 or 3 in the morning from her saying, hey, I think we need to break up. Wow. And, yeah, you, you say, wow, and you think, oh, you, it clicked for you, right? Like, that was God answering your prayer. No, it took me months <laughs> to realize that that was actually God answering my prayer. I'm not even kidding you. Oh, my gosh. And it, it took that time to realize that I'm going through all the, you know, depressed songs oh, yeah. and listening to all the things about mm -hmm. how I feel about the breakup and only to realize, like, literally three months later, that was God answering my prayer. Like, I actually I asked him, and he did it. Like, he did the thing that I asked for. And as comedic as that moment was, the next prayer that I had for God that was, like, as I would call it, a legitimate prayer was, mm -hmm. okay, I okay, I think you actually are there now. Mm -hmm. So in that case, and I, I kid you not, it's so embarrassing, but I literally gave what I would consider the spiritual shopping list to God of what I wanted in the next relationship. Okay. okay. So I said, okay, God, can you give me a pretty girl who's Christian and has a sense of humor? And amen. <laughs> like a week goes by, two weeks go by, and uh, a friend circle of mine invited me to this uh, event celebrating uh, a friend's Jewish, like kind of like the coming to age for uh, the female. So it's the uh, mm -hmm. Purim ball. And uh, invited me to that and... I met this girl there and she was everything that I had prayed for, mm -hmm. right? Said, okay, this is the this is the list, and it kind of got completed here. All right. And during our relationship, to, to make it a longer story shorter, um, I realized really quickly that her and I uh we saw eye to eye in a lot of things, but anytime the conversation of God got brought up or anything mentioned, she would shy away from it or push it away. And I thought that was weird. And I remember learning at Grace at the time, this was happening simultaneously, mm -hmm. there was, there was a, a sermon going on about uh, what it looks like to have a Christian marriage. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't one that wanted to date to just date. I really wanted yeah. to find that person. And as we were going through this series, I'm like, I want to share this with her. So I tried to invite her. She wouldn't come. But she would always tell me there was something missing from our relationship. I'm like, that's interesting. And no matter what, we tried, whether it was something physical, something mm -hmm. emotional, doing more together, going out more, whatever it was, nothing seemed to work. Mm -hmm. And I was learning that there was these three parts of a relationship, a Christian relationship, where it's three kinds of love. There's the physical, there's the emotional, but then there's the spiritual. Mm -hmm. And I realized we could have any and all the physical, any and all the emotional, but literally zero, like no spiritual love at all. And it was that moment that I realized, I think I know what is actually missing. Yeah. But I never had an opportunity to share that with her because she would always shut the conversations mm -hmm. down. Well, one night she uh, she finally, well, actually before I, I say that, uh, one night it was, I was going to God again. I said, all right, I see what happened here. I asked for something that I thought I wanted mm -hmm. and realized that's, mm -hmm. that's just not it. So my prayer this time was, God, don't get me out of this relationship but give me an opportunity to share with her hmm. what's missing. Because I think I know what it is. Next night, without fail, gave me exactly that. She said, you know, I just, I still don't know what's missing. And I'm, I kind of just give up 
trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, I said, well, can I share with you? I think I know what it is. Wow. She's like, go ahead, hands in the air, go ahead. I said, well, I think it's a spiritual connection. Like, we don't have any of that. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm learning about this at church. I want to share it with you because, really, ultimately, I want to grow with you. Like, that's yeah. my main thing is I want to grow with you. And uh, by the end of that conversation, laying my heart out, end of the conversation, she goes, yeah, I just I just, I don't want to grow with you, though. That's, mm-hmm. It's just not something that I want to do. And so it ended like that. Wow. But the comedic thing was, after that was said and done, uh, she was like, well, we could still be friends, right? Because that always works out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, Heart's on the floor bleeding. Oh, but totally. Yeah, yeah let's no, be no, friends. It's totally fine. I'm totally fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Fire's going. and No, mm-hmm. everything's fine. Um, she invited me as a friend, right, quote, unquote, uh, to hike with her a trail like a few days after. And I was like, okay, sure, whatever. And we do it. And like by the end of the, the trail, she said, as a friend, I'm like, oh, here we go. Here mm-hmm. we go. She's like, as a friend, I just want you to know that your standards are too high. Like, what you're looking for doesn't actually exist. It's not out there. And I was like, okay, all right. Let me talk to my God about that. <laughs> it's, kind of, <gasps> it's kind of exactly what happened, though. Like, no joke. And so that night, I was like, all right, God, is she right? I actually don't know. I literally don't know. I'm going mm. into this whole thing of following you blind. I just, I don't know. And... uh the next day I was invited um, that weekend by a friend that went to uh, uh, a service called 707 up in uh, Cleveland. Mm-hmm. It literally started at 707, so mm-hmm. that's where they kind of got their name from. And it was, um, from what I heard, it was like my age group of people that uh, were following God. And it was kind of like a service, specifically like a weekend service, but geared towards our age bracket. Yeah. I said, sure, I'll check it out. And so she invited me and I went and as I walked in, I see a room full of people that she said didn't exist. Mm. Like a room full of those people. It mm-hmm. was filled with people just worshiping and loving God. Pursuing and that was, him, living for him, yeah. being like, awesome still and being, you know, like yeah. fun and dynamic. I'm and, like, that's that's all I needed. And yeah. it was that that was like the moment I would say that I started becoming a follower versus a believer. Wow. I really think there's a distinct difference between being a believer in God mm-hmm. and being a follower. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that was kind of the wild journey I'd say that God took me through. And it was through broken relationships. Yeah. And that's that's all the more saying it's telling to me that, you know, God is someone who works from a relational standpoint. If you don't have mm. a relationship or an understanding of a relationship with God, like you can't possibly get to know him. Yeah. You can't possibly follow someone you don't know. Yeah. But And he wants nothing more than to know you and to be known by you. Yeah. And for that to be a reciprocal pursuit. Him to you, you to him. Exactly. Ongoing. Mm-hmm. So when you went to 707, are you in college? Are you still in high school? Yeah. So what, at that point How time, did your life change when yeah. you made the decision to follow? Yeah. No, I, I love that question. Yeah. At that time, I was in college and I was, uh, I guess, kind of another weird little story there is is I went to college. Um, I don't know if a lot of people are like this or not, but I went to college not having a clue what I wanted to do. I think I've heard that once or twice before. There's there tends to be a common thread there. But mm-hmm. uh, for me, I just had no idea what I wanted to do. And uh, it was around that time where I was like, okay, I- I'm like, I'm following God now. So God, what do you want me to do? Mm. Like, And I, I realized I had a, I had a, I wouldn't say a passion. I really enjoyed video games and like I wanted to get into like maybe developing video games. So mm-hmm. I ended up uh, taking a whole bunch of like surveys, tests, personality tests, you name mm-hmm. it, just to figure out like where I would kind of fit. And um, for some reason, I felt called to that field, this this computer science, CIS, ultimately. I went mm-hmm. to uh, DeVry for a, a bachelor's in CIS, uh, which is computer information systems. I went there with the intent on becoming a game developer only to realize, thankfully, early on, like it was probably first year, Mm -hmm. end of first year, they said, hey, I just want to let you know, uh, be real with you, that all the jobs that you'd be looking for or even the internship programs that we would have had are all out west. And so you can continue down this track if Mm -hmm. you want, but... If you do, just know you're gonna have to move. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just didn't feel the call to move, but I still felt like I'm here for a reason. Mm-hmm. So this is where I was like, "All right, God, I really need you to show up and tell me what's going on. Like, where, where do you have me? Where am I going? And what, you know, just what, what's the plan here? Because I have no idea. Now I'm feeling like, like terrified because I don't know 
what the next turn is. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to move. And they, they told me, uh, they said, well, there's another track that's similar enough to what you're studying. And um, you haven't done your like game development specific classes yet. So there's web application development if you want to go into that. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll try that. They said, there's a good, good amount of jobs out there for that. And I said, mm-hmm. all right. Ended up doing that. And uh, I fell in love with it. I really loved it. But it was so funny because I remember back to the personality tests that I took. And it was like all of the results that I got being an extrovert as well, like social worker, you know, you should work with people. And then it was like, all right, cool. So how does that graph relate to like the people that are in this world of development? It was the exact opposite. Like you put a mirror between the two things and you just see the opposite ends of the spectrum like playing out. Yeah, somebody who wants to talk to their headphones and nothing else. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, you don't want to interact with people. Why would I be here then? But I felt this weird, I I can't describe it other than a calling. I really can't. Mm. But I felt this weird calling to this field no matter what. And I was like, all all right, I guess. Like we're doing this thing. And um, I was praying about opportunities to like get involved in some sort of internships and whatnot. And my uncle, I hadn't talked to him a ton. Like not that we had a bad relationship by any means, but just we hadn't talked frequently. Mm -hmm. Uh, We ran into one another. I think it was probably just at like a family event or whatever we were talking. And he goes, hey, uh, I heard you were going into development. I said, yeah. He's like, well, what kind of uh, stuff are you looking to do? And I told him and he said, I got a buddy that is looking for a developer. Now, for those who don't know, uh, when it comes to computer developer stuff like programming there's a tons of different languages mm-hmm. tons of different frameworks tons of different databases like to have an exact match to what i learned yeah is like one in i don't know the percentage i'm not going to try true to get yeah one. very rare yeah <laughs> it's like really really rare and, and it was exactly what i learned wow. this guy was looking for exactly what i learned so I ended up... And it was local? Yeah, it was Yeah, it was actually... Like aligned all the stars. Yeah, it was legitimately 10 minutes away from where I lived. Mm. Like back when I was living with my parents, like it was really, really close to home. And so uh, ended up interviewing there, got the job, and uh, that's actually ultimately where I met my now wife, Marissa. Okay. And it was really funny because thinking back to the interview at the time, uh, and she wasn't a follower at this time either, but it was funny because... The boss that I ultimately ended up working with, he was like in a tattered hoodie and like like shorts that just looked like they were a mess. And and then she was like Marissa was like dressed like it was business professional. Mm-hmm. And I'm over here in an interview like I'm I'm wearing like a, a tie and, mm-hmm. you know, all the good stuff to make it as business professional as I can. And I've got two completely contrasting <laughs> things going on here. I don't know what to expect, but uh, eventually found out that, you know, got the job and, I, and I've been there. Uh, ever since I've actually been coming up on my tenth uh, year next year. Wow! But a lot of cha- lots has changed in, you know, since then. But one of the craziest things was early on I realized why God had me in the development field. So as we were going through the whole process, God and I going through this process of what what is it that you have me doing? Why do you have me in this field? I got to meet the people in the field, and most of them at the time were not followers. Mm. And it became really apparent that God had me around these people because he loved them enough to share his love with them through me. Mm. And that's not to say by any means that I was like the one that should have been called for that. Like, I don't feel in any way, shape or form, you know, adequate enough to be that guy on the front lines there. But like, I could tell that that's where God had me. Mm-hmm. And uh, the conversations that I got to have with some coworkers, like I was very open about my faith. I didn't want people questioning, you know, what I believe. I didn't want to live any like two-facedness of, you know, he's not really even authentic kind of thing. And um, getting to know those people who are, again, on that opposite end of the, of the uh, personality spectrum that I am and getting to talk with them, inviting them out to lunches and just getting to know their stories, um, that was just, it was just a huge impact. And I've tried to do that ever since, but what's really hard now is we've moved remote. So we're working remotely and I'm like trying to figure out how that can still kind of work, you know, but really hard to disciple people online when it comes to those situations. Yeah. There's a lot of conversation around that now, just that the ministry we can have in our marketplace, in our jobs out in the field, right? Pastors do it naturally. And like, that's their calling in pastoring, but mm-hmm. we are pastors out in the pasture, like out in the field, and we we can go and do that. 
But with, yes, this increasingly remote, and so now it sounds like maybe these other folks that you work with do fit that mold of that personality test that maybe incline more introverted and more Mm -hmm. retractive and non-relational like you would be. But what a unique gifting that you're bringing that you maybe don't take that for an answer. You don't take that Mm -hmm. like, I'm shy or I don't want to, you probably bust through some walls that wouldn't have been busted through if your personality wasn't there. Yeah, I think, and I think one of the kickers too was like right before COVID hit, right? Because that that was about when we went remote, we would work four days, uh, four days of the week in office, then one day out of office because, you know, they were totally fine with us working from home mm-hmm. once a week. And uh, there was a specific person that I worked with that like. So another funny little side story there is is when I was I missed whatever the weekend service was, I missed the message. And so I was watching it on my lunch break and it was Jeff talking and uh, this coworker of mine, she walked by and she looked at the computer and screen and she goes, is that Ricky Gervais? I was like, n- 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 no, that's Jeff Bogue. She's like, oh, who's that? And I was like, pastor at our church. Mm-hmm. It's like probably the exact opposite of that guy, but you know. And uh, we, got, I, I don't know how, but that just started the conversation and the ball rolling. Wow. And we ended up having, I want to say in total, now for anyone, you I know, mean, boss wise, if you're listening to this, it was all completely on lunch breaks. <laughs> it was not any time spent outside of that. But we had, I want to say, six to eight hours of discussion wow. of things. And she was one that was pretty against, you know, anything God, mm-hmm. but was willing to hear and willing to talk about it. And at that point, I was really into apologetics. So I really mm-hmm. liked like John Lennox, um, uh, Ravi Zachariah, like all, all the kind of like top uh, apologetics guys. And Would you mind talking a little bit more about, like just to spot, define what you mean when you say apologetics yeah, and yeah, those sure. names for those who might not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So apologetics basically is kind of the way I sum it up is it's it's basically like not necessarily proving out the existence of a God, but like really kind of hitting a lot of points that a lot of people would put up walls for. So like, for example, um, the logic behind the existence of a creator isn't as crazy as it sounds, even though some people tend to make it sound like, oh, that's absurd. Like a, you know, big, big guy in the sky creating all things. I'm like, well, technically the universe itself like has a beginning scientifically Mm -hmm. speaking. So the cause has to be something outside of itself. Yeah. So whatever you believe is the cause of that thing, it has to be eternal. And that's what your belief lies in. Yeah. Like whether or not there is, yeah, whether or not there is a God, there is something eternal at play that caused the creation of everything that we know. Mm -hmm. And like, you really can't refute that well uh, from the opposite side from what I've seen. But yeah, so a lot of these guys, uh, they take a a very scientific approach to just kind of like uh, breaking down arguments in a really plain and easy to understand and follow manner where it just, it just makes more sense. And I remember thinking that that was more of a, a tool. It wasn't necessarily the end all be all for bringing someone to God and really, you know, helping them understand who he was. It was just more along the lines of a thing that brought down some of the walls that people built up, Yeah, which is exactly what this coworker of mine had. She built up all these walls of these arguments that we were able to talk through, like legitimately talk through. And I feel like at the end of it, just about every wall she had was Mm -hmm. broken down. Mm -hmm. And the very last comment she made to me sticks to me. And it's still frustrating to this day Mm. because of COVID. She goes, yeah, you know, I I think, I honestly think you kind of answered all of like the bigger questions that I would have had, but like, there's still some emotional reasons. I don't believe Mm. there's a God. I'm like, man, Mm. like what a missed opportunity. Thanks to COVID. Like now we're all, you know, remote and we don't get to have this conversation, but like, that revealed her heart. Yep. So we got past this yep. logical leap to get to the the real thing that was the real true that reason she root. wasn't believing. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, man, if only I could, you know, just really dig in with that. But it's that's been a challenge is just figuring mm-hmm. out how to still share the gospel remotely. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the thing right now. Yeah, well, pursue that, please. Yeah. I actually was with some kids, some high school kids that were working through, am I going to be in the marketplace or called to ministry? And and a kid uh, asked me that question. He said, and he is actually on that introverted side, mm. and he wants to work from home, but he desperately wants to be able to have an impact for the kingdom sure. in that role. And somebody shared great wisdom for him, which was, maybe you are uniquely gifted to understand those other people who want to stay on the backside of a computer screen. And then if there's a community that with your introverted preferential ways, you can actually impact them that way. Like, come up with it. We need it. The world needs that, you know. But your ability to go into that role, like God 
called you there and you went, mm-hmm. you were obedient, not understanding it, but knowing that it was your calling and having enough faith in that, that you went there. And Absolutely. then there's like, you can see fruit. So that's the sign of a healthy, you know, stepping into space that he asked you to be in. Yeah. And one of the biggest takeaways that I've had both remote and not remote, one of the things that I found works the best at building relationships, not about trying to get somebody bought into your belief system, mm-hmm. not about, you know, trying to trick someone into thinking a way that they weren't thinking before, but to build relationships. The biggest thing that I found was asking questions. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of the things that uh, John Lennox would say all the time. He's like, I like to ask people questions until they ask me one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's so great. Mm-hmm. And like, it works to get to know someone because no one's going to share with you their heart or anything mm-hmm. if you're not showing that you care enough to ask. Mm-hmm. Like, just ask them, like, how are they doing? Don't <laughs> – it's so funny when people do the old, you know, oh, how are you doing? I'm like, depends on the person, but generally speaking, I, I tend to answer that completely and bluntly honest. Like, if mm-hmm. if it's one of those per- people, especially – I know I'm so bad for messing with people like this, but when they ask – when I know it's a person that is just asking as a filler, yeah. I will lay my heart out. Like, oh, how you doing? I'm like, you know, actually, it's been a really rough week. You know, I've had a lot of struggles and a lot of a lot of pitfalls, and it's just it's just, it's just just tough. And they just look at me with a blank stare. As they're filling their coffee cup. Yeah, and they're like, coffee, they're like, oh. I was planning to keep moving okay. here, but what do you <laughs> – exactly. so what, what do you do in that moment? Or you're just – you revel in that confusion. Oh, Oh, sometimes, like sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I may walk away and then come back. Like no, no, but really, I, I'm actually, I'm actually doing all right. I just, I just appreciate you asking. I try to, like, yeah, I try to get, I try to get that kind of reaction mm-hmm. to, to show, like, comedically, even mm-hmm. the importance of really meaning what you're asking. It's so true. Because I want, I want just as much as I want to get to know somebody. I want them to know me, but no one's going to want to know me unless I want to know them. That's right. But that's just relationship, right? I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. Whether that relationship's a coworker, a friend, a spouse, whatever it is, like you get to know people by asking them questions. They get to know you by asking questions. That's how it works. That's right. And then listening to the answer on their side versus, you know, sharing back, just sitting in that. Oh yeah. And letting it settle in your mind and remembering it. And we have such, so much information coming into our heads these days. Mm -hmm. We just scroll, scroll, scroll in conversation sometimes as well as with our phones, right? So you can scroll through a conversation very rapidly if you're not pausing and taking it slowly and intentionally. Absolutely. I like that wisdom. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so you, you work remote. Marissa, obviously something changed there from the girl that helped your interview process mm-hmm. to now yeah. flourishing family. Oh, yeah. What, what were the steps in between there? Yeah, no, it's it's cool. So um, when I first uh, started working there, she was not a follower at the time. Um, our boss was, and he is a deacon at the chapel, and he actually um, started pouring into her. He actually, I don't remember the exact details of how it started conversationally speaking, but he started like teaching her, explaining to her like what faith in Christ looks like. She ended up getting baptized at the chapel. Like Mm. it was, he'll never forget. It was so cool. Like looking on the screen of there's, I I don't know how many baptisms there were that day that I went, but it may be at least two or three. Um, And like, it would say like, whatever the person's name was, follower for, and then it was like five years, and then they were being baptized. The next person, like so-and-so, follower for 15 years, being baptized. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, almost like you see on like a Facebook or, you know, Twitter, where it's like, follower, just yesterday or wow. just now kind of thing. It was really cool. And so she got baptized there, and uh, eventually, um, after a, uh, another uh, relationship that didn't, quite work out on my end of things. We ended up um, getting to know each other as friends. Um, and honestly, we, we weren't really, um, I don't think we were in an immediate match for one another, which was kind of cool because we just got to know each other and got to figure out who the other person was. And then eventually, like, we grew really close as friends, um, became that match for one another, and I ended up um, asking her out. Now, she'll, I guess I got to clear the air here. She'll, she'll say that I trapped her in a car. Okay. And I think- that I... <laughs> somehow, like, forced her into going out with me by asking in a place where she she could have gotten out. I mean, <laughs> we were going 70 on the highway, but she could have gotten out. But, uh, and that's not an admission of guilt of speeding. I think it was a 70. Yeah, it was 70 and 70. <laughs> but um, it was funny because uh, it was it was on our way 
of all things, it was to a coworker's wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, we were like, yeah, we might as well go as, as friends, right? And um, I was really torn because uh, a relationship prior to uh, ours, um, I, I was trying to get through some healing in that. And I, I didn't know that I was fully healed yet. And it was so funny because my parents were like, you're healed. Just date this girl already. <laughs> Which also was funny. Throughout my um, my life and just in general, my, my dad would always say, like, you know, oh, you could, Josh, you could write your own ticket. You could just write your own ticket. You could get anyone you want kind of thing with your personality and blah, blah, blah. And when he met her, it was so funny because his comment to me was, she's way out of your league. Ooh. It was before I even wanted to date her. <laughs> We're just friends. I'm like, Thanks, Dad. I was like, really appreciate that. But uh, we ended up. You're like challenge accepted. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Maybe that's what it was. That's that sounds about right for that a personality. You're having some some reflex from that girl right. that said your standards are too high. You're like, right. here it is. I'm like, okay, yeah. How about that? Right. And circle all the way back around. But but yeah. So then we ended up getting together and uh, dated for however many months it was. We ended up getting engaged, and uh, that's another one. She'll 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 say, you know, I. I dragged her out into the wilderness, Fort Island Park, as we were going and walking in the cold weather while she was sick. But she was completely warm and everything was fine. And we had a surprise photo shoot for the engagement. So all that to say, I tricked her into it with a friend of ours to uh, get her out, even though she was sick, because this the, the ring was just burning a hole in my pocket. Like mm-hmm. I need to just we just need to we just need to do this thing. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Ended up getting married, uh, our honeymoon, all that, to Aruba, which was really cool. Never been there. Heard about it. It was really cool. Um, come back, and we moved to uh, we moved into a condo in Medina. So went to, you know, still went to the same church here, Grace, at Bath, but uh, checked out the Medina East Campus a little while, a couple times, because I love Tony. I remember Tony back in the day for, like, uh, teaching and whatnot he was he was a great guy but and p days right was oh he yeah the leader no he actually back? wasn't so he was a leader before i came to np okay so it was like sometime after that that i started coming because i did not gotcha. actually meet him there okay met him at the main campus but um we were we were both actually really involved marissa would uh serve at nursery and mm-hmm. then i was serving on guitar so i've been playing with the band i want to say since 2014 2000 yeah, 2014, mm-hmm. um, and that's been a blast. And just both of us serving together, we ended up uh, also finding a shared passion in missions and just the give it away world of things. Mm-hmm. Where um, we went down to it was actually while we were engaged, our first ever missions trip, both hers and I's separately, but together we went on our first trip, and that was to uh, a place called Tiacapan, which mm-hmm. was about two hours south of Mazatlan in Mexico, mm-hmm. and. Boy, we fell in love with that community of mm-hmm. people. They, you want to talk about a, a community that was just on fire for Christ. Wow. It was the church there, and the church there was, I want to say, ooh, it couldn't have been more than twenty or thirty people strong. Um, Pastor Israel, he's mm-hmm. actually the the guy down there that uh, kind of started this this church plant. Came alongside a, a organization called Shoulder to Shoulder. Uh, John and Rachel Reeser, fantastic people, really great influences on a lot of things. They uh, they basically, uh, their ministry helps uh, come alongside pastors and leaders to really make an impact and a, and a footprint in their own communities, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate because it's not the we come down to leave an American footprint. It's mm-hmm. like, no, we're, we're coming to serve people. Mm-hmm. And so getting that opportunity to serve alongside them with this pastor, but this guy I mean, it may be a little heretical to say he is just the closest thing to the Mexican Jesus <laughs> that I could possibly imagine. Wow. I mean, his heart is pure gold. And I, I think the one of the biggest sticking points to me with him was um, we met in a, a family's home just in Tiacapan talking about uh, just a, a bunch of different things. But one of the questions that a friend of mine asked in that circle was, what what made this particular pastor uh, stay. So Tiakapan was a town where voodoo was actually kind of like the main thing going mm. on there. Every church plant that ever happened failed. Nothing mm. stuck, nothing stayed. And for whatever reason, right, this guy and his church stayed. Mm. And he was running it out of his backyard with 20 people. And our first trip down there was to lay the floor of the new building. They raised enough funds, we raised enough funds to really start building their actual church because they were growing. And now, just as a quick perspective shift, 
they're over 200 people. Oh, my gosh. And this is over the span of not more than eight years now, mm-hmm. uh, eight to ten years, and their growth has just been crazy. But the thing that stuck with us and stuck with me was the reason that he ended up really taking root there is because his heart was for God and for people to follow God, not him. Mm. He was saying uh, mm-hmm. a lot of these people that came in to try to plant churches, they ended up failing because it was all about them. They wanted the pedestal. They yeah. wanted people to follow them. They didn't want them to follow God. Yeah. And Pastor Israel, man, he was just the exact opposite. Little John the Baptist going on here. hundred percent. It's exactly sent that. Sent to pave the way for him, but I am not him. It's exactly that. And one of my favorite things um, about his heart because he, he told us his story when we were down there. He said, you know, I, uh, I felt convicted to, to move down to this place that virtually no one's even heard of. And that meant uprooting my family from Mazatlan. Now, Mazatlan, uh, for those who don't know, uh, is, is basically a touristy place. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty, like, big industry is tourism. And so it's really nice overall and, like, the place to be. And yet he felt called to like relocate to a place that was the exact opposite. Little mm-hmm. fishing village, no one's ever heard of it. Like two to 3,000 people max, probably, you know, around that area. And yet he felt this conviction so strongly that he tried to talk his family, you know, like not into it, so to say, but like into knowing that he was feeling this calling so strongly. Ended up working with them for over a year, but they all decided, you know what, if it's this strong of a calling still, mm-hmm. let's do it. And I'll never forget, his comment was, and if I went down and relocated my entire family just so one person in that entire place could be saved or hear the gospel, mm-hmm. I'd do it all over again. Wow. I'm like, that's it. Like, that right there is it. So yeah. really cool experience from my perspective, but also really helpful for uh, Marissa and I because then that really – sparked the passion and ignited that fire of giving it away, giving the gospel away, whether that's overseas, whether that's, you know, different country, locally, in our workplaces, whatever that is, like that is a drive that we both share. So we both serve together on some of the, uh, the leadership side of things with regards to give it away. And Mm -hmm. it's just been, it's just been a blast. And you've kept the mission work up since your marriage. Yeah. So we actually ended up, I want to say we did, we did, six trips, I want to say, either five or six trips, and we led all but one or two of those. Wow. So, and it was all to the same place. It was Tiakapan. And uh, we've we've since uh, taken a break uh, when we had our, our first daughter, Amara. She's now four. Um, we took a break uh, from the missions field, but, but stayed more stateside stuff, things that we can do here and mm-hmm. kind of help, you know, push leaders into the leadership roles for leading those trips, yeah. um, which you know, ends up being great, but we're, we're really missing it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get to go down. Uh, n- I think it's November now. We're going to get to go down uh, for a week and help put on a, a retreat for the pastors that Shoulder to Shoulder works with, which is going to be a blast just to do that. And we're also bringing our four-year-old Amara down with wow. us too. And uh, grandparents are going to be watching the twins. We have mm-hmm. two little girls too, Maya and Raina. They're mm-hmm. a little over a year and a half old now. And uh, they'll be watched while we get to go, you know, bring Amara down and get her to experience it for the first time, which it's, it is like a family reunion. Anytime mm-hmm. I go down there, it's like, it's not, it's not a trip. It's a family reunion Wow, for sure. Well, then think about what you're doing for your daughter as you're, you know, looking back at y- the years it took you to come to terms and grip mm. genuinely with your own faith. And at four years old, she's going to have an experience that you didn't get to have until you were engaged and on that fully on that adult side. Absolutely. And, you know, that early exposure for her and what that'll, that'll be like. And then that'll just continue to grow your faith as you watch her as yeah. her father. And man, she has a servant's heart. I mean, built into her already. Mm. Like, it's so cool to watch her with her, with her sisters. Like, there's been times she's literally said, those are my babies. Aww. We're like, okay, then you can change the diaper. You can feed them. <laughs> Have at it, girl. <laughs> I'm like, that's all you, girlfriend. Yeah, like, all right, we're just here along for the ride. How, how can we help support you, <laughs> support your children that are definitely not yours, but okay. So, so sweet. But she is, yeah, she is such a sweetheart. She just tries to find ways that she can help people. Mm-hmm. Like, I, she was over uh, a few days ago. She was over at my parents'. Uh, she was being watched for, we were at the uh, one of the events here, and uh she ended up 
helping my mom with something. My mom was like, yeah, she uh, she ended up feeding both babies. She gave them like she's handing them like little slices of like pieces of pizza or whatever. And she goes, no, no, mama, I got this. You go relax. <laughs> Literally oh, words wow. out of her mouth. Like, you go relax. I got this. <laughs> I turned to Mara and I, or I turned to Marissa and I said, where's that with us? She don't, she don't push us <laughs> out to relax. I'm like, shoot. I don't know what they're feeding her, but it's working or whatever it is. Well, she sounds like she's a combination of both your and Marissa's uh, gifts oh, of service sure. and service hearts and giving it away, which for you sure. said you're definitely both. And sass and sarcasm too. We definitely <laughs> gave her sass and sarcasm. Service sass and sarcasm, oh, yeah. the trifecta. Oh yeah. I told someone before they were asking like, you know, about her personality that, that they hadn't met her yet. And I said, well, uh, she definitely got her sass from her mom. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Excuse mm-hmm. me, what about you? I'm like, well, I-, I didn't finish. Mm-hmm. She got sass from the mom and, and the snark from me. Mm-hmm. So it's sassy and snarky. She's just she's just all the things. Oh, full power. Oh, full yeah. power. That's amazing. Well, you know, you talked at the beginning about failed relationships, which, you know, I see a pattern with these unscripted stories that so many things that you thought you wanted and turns out you didn't, Mm -hmm. or you thought it was the worst day, but it turned into being the best day because God's plan is greater. He is so faithful and our obedience through small little things over time is going to lead you to this time now where you are betrothed wife is passionate about the same things that you are and you're able to take your daughter on a mission trip like this that's just amazing so when you think about your story when you think about your past and where you're headed in your future for our audience here from your story your testimony your life what would you want them to take away what are some final thoughts that you'd like to share yeah i think the the first thing i would say is is that god is a relationship like even down to his DNA of like who he is, he is an eternal relationship. Mm. So I think anytime you're interacting with God, like if you're interacting with him in any way that's not a relationship, like you're missing out Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, The other thing I think is, is just the willingness to go to places that you're unfamiliar with, go to the unfamiliar territories, whether that's a literal place, whether that's, you know, a metaphorical place, a an internal, a spiritual place, like let him take you there and be willing to go. Have the predetermined yes mm-hmm. to say, you know what? If God's calling me to do it, I'm going to do it. I don't care what that looks like, how that looks. God's going to fill in the details. And um, actually one, uh, one additional piece to that is an example of this is one of the trips that Marissa and I were uh, going to lead. We were shy, a significant amount of money, And we prayed to God and said, look, if you want us there, we're going to do it. But we genuinely don't know how we're going to do this. And um, a friend of mine who didn't necessarily know directly about my situation or our situation regarding that uh, met up with me and and gave me a check. And it was the amount, if Mm. not more, than we needed to go on that trip. Mm -hmm. And I remember him saying, like, did you not think that the funds Mm. were going to be there? I was like, well, I, I just wasn't sure. I mean, I was I was honestly going to take it as a sign that that was yeah. just us not, we shouldn't be going on this yeah. trip. And he said, dude, it's, and it stuck with me too. He's like, dude, it's God's project. Of course it's going to get funded. Mm. Like, of course he's going to fund it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so just like an additional thing is just to, just to rely on God. Let mm-hmm. God do what he's going to do. Be willing to go down the route that he takes you regardless of your, you know, your worries or your concerns. Um, and then finally, I think just, just don't, don't give up. (laughs) Like whatever the season is that you're going through, like, don't let that be the end of the story. Mm. Like I was in some dark places early on in my life, younger. And like, I did not see a way out. And the light at the end of the tunnel wasn't lit until I went to God and he lit it and he showed me the way to get Mm. out and he like pushed me right down that path and mm. I couldn't be more thankful for it. But yeah, I think that's that's pretty much the the top three that I would say. Wow, that's amazing wisdom. And I just hear that in your voice. And and when you did come to that brighter space, you're asking God. So many times you're saying, So then I was asking God about this. I was asking God about this mm-hmm. and and getting those answers and then living in that and walking 
through it as well. Yeah. And I think also to that point, like I don't, I definitely don't want to downplay. Now, the other big thing that I I didn't really mention was as I was going through the huge life changes, uh, I had a friend that literally went alongside me through all those life Mm -hmm. changes and he was my godly counsel for that. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't just me going to God and praying and, and like, you know, kind of asking him what he wants me to do. Like the the way a lot of the, the ways that he answered me was through that friend. Sure. Like Wisdom through team. that biblical community. Yeah. So I cannot I cannot stress enough the importance of having biblical community that can live life with you. That's mm-hmm. why oh that, that another thing that I failed to mention early on was um, my wife and I we actually led a life group for three years. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is we were so passionate about like having a group of other believers living alongside you and non-believers mm-hmm. living alongside you, just going through life together. Mm-hmm. Like life is not a solo sport. Christianity following Christ is not a solo sport. Like you have to have a team mm-hmm. behind you. You have to be with people that can tell you when you're wrong. Mm-hmm. That was one of my biggest things. My friend was like, yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't think you've let go of that thing that you said you let go of. Mm-hmm. I'm like, shut up <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. But like, having people that love you enough to say something like that exactly love you enough because it's not it's not loving to let someone suffer without you know sharing what it is that could potentially alter the course of where they're headed like cannot stress that enough biblical community is huge well josh i think that guy at chili's was right i think you do fit in here very well (laughs) in fact you've just given us our DNA, which is to know mm-hmm. it. You talked about studying apologetics, mm-hmm. to live it with community, and to give it away. Go Absolutely. out in the field and give it away to others. So there you go. Boom. For sure. Nailed Write it. that on a wall somewhere. <laughs> right? It was actually written on the wall. No <laughs> living given away. I do remember that being on the wall. I haven't checked out the new wall yet. I don't know exactly what it looks like. But yeah, <laughs> been at Montrose for, for quite a minute now, but... You, you yeah. can't deny it. It's in the DNA, whether it's on the wall or not. And we can, sure. you can feel it. And it comes through people like you that are living it daily and, and religiously, you might even say, in the right way. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it the right way, for sure. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you for that. Awesome. Well, it's wonderful to hear your story today, Josh. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.